or a week off. It feels like it's been longer than that. I was just thinking that this morning, honestly. I was like, I feel like we haven't recorded in a minute, but it really hasn't been that long. Mm -mm. But everything has changed. Everything. Time zones. Locations. So many states. But you made it to Oregon. We are here in Oregon, as grandma says. And you did not get dysentery. And we didn't drown either. Good. And no snakes bit you. No snakes. Didn't even see any snakes. There you were won the game. an immaculate amount of bug splatter on the car, though. Like, there were some bugs I'm pretty sure would qualify as roadkill mm. that splattered against the windshield. It was crazy. No, thank you. But yeah, we're here. This is Haunted Hoax, by the way. Yeah. And I'm Kristen. I'm Jennifer. And I'm also just in the same state I've always been in. You'll get out of Florida eventually, okay? God willing. <laughs> um, Hopefully then, sooner rather than later. We'll see. We'll see. And we are doing a plethora of locations this time. I just realized that I was supposed to put like hints on the Instagram. I promised Oops. that last time. I didn't. I'm so I'm sorry, but... <laughs> That's what you just, that's what you get. I'm going to blame pregnancy brain, even though I feel like that's too early right now to do, but we're going to do it anyway. It's all right. Um, it's okay. <laughs> Surprise. We're doing islands. Yes. We're doing different haunted islands throughout the world, but mostly just like coincidentally, like the Western part of the world and not the Eastern part of the world. I didn't realize that when I picked them out. We're doing one okay. in the U.S., which I guess we'll talk about first. And then we have okay. two others. They're not in the U.S. And I'm hoping that there is only one heart island. Me too. Did you do the one in New York? I did do the one in New York. That is great news because I Perfect. did the one in New York too. Awesome. <laughs> I was like looking this up. I was like, oh my God, I hope there's... because um, So we got these off of a most haunted islands or haunting islands, like listicle and it just said heart island usa and i was like oh okay well there must only be one but then i googled it and i was like i hope there's only one <laughs> but we're on the same page yes yes and for these stories i'll kind of like just give you the rundown of what exactly is going on the lore behind it i don't really have any like special photographic evidence for any of these or any real like video evidence or EVPs or anything. And there's a reason why for each of them, but they have interesting like lore around them. And I think they also mm -hmm. have interesting history. And one of them did have a Ghost Adventures episode. However, uh, it's a season 10 episode. And I don't know if, if any of you have Discovery Plus. Uh, season 10 is not available on Discovery Plus. Perfect. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm thinking maybe like it wasn't part of the discovery channels maybe that season was somewhere else and they don't have the rights to it but it's not there so i can access that episode <laughs> because Zach didn't like how he looked that entire season i guess not his hair wasn't black enough his glasses weren't horn rimmed enough so anyway regardless it's okay we digress um but with heart island in new york there is um supposedly thousands of unidentified bodies on this island and it's been like every it's been everything from like confederate troops to supposedly there was an asylum on there 
I also saw that there was something like having to do with like a missile site in the Cold War, apparently. So there's a lot of like dramatic stuff happening here. And that's kind of why it gets the rap that it's haunted. I saw that there's a lot of buildings that are down, but most of the buildings from the Civil War are there. I'm not sure if that's true, but a lot of them, a lot of the older buildings were torn down to make more room for burials for these unidentified bodies. And in one article I read, it was like, as for actual paranormal activity, it's the list of what doesn't go on here would be a lot easier to list than the experiences people like Mm -hmm. have had. One of the most interesting stories is that people don't have experiences necessarily while they're there, but they have them when they leave. A number of people have reported that they have very vivid dreams of the island in the days after they have visited, which more often usually include like seeing the island in their dreams, but as it originally was set up Mm -hmm. not like present time but like when there was an old asylum there like when everything was still like Mm -hmm. going on which is interesting yeah especially they didn't see that firsthand right and it's kind of like like i said like it's reportedly like a lot of the buildings are gone supposedly so you can't really get a feel of where things were but you're seeing it in your dreams and this isn't the first time we've kind of heard about leaving a place and then having things happen Mm -hmm. we saw that way back when when we did a test episode with robert the doll um (laughs) which we'll never (laughs) see the light of day but um (laughs) that one's staying in the vault until we die i know know. people are gonna be like no do it like demand it but because we keep mentioning it but like robert the doll like people would always say that like he they had experiences once they left Mm-hmm. Um, if they didn't leave in a proper way. And then like with the Bell Witch Caves, if you took a rock, you know, things would be happening. So that's not the first time we've heard about that. Um, I just think it's really interesting that this island is like has this kind of same effect. Mm-hmm. Most paranormal experiences people have on the island happen in two areas, like surrounded by like two clusters of buildings that used to be like the asylum or like in the area of the asylum. And they report intense sudden feelings of nausea cold spots people claim to be physically pushed like with enough force to be pushed to the ground being watched feeling like somebody's standing really close behind them that can be felt throughout the whole island and you know it's a big open space so that's kind of unnerving and apparitions have also been seen in large quantities mostly the article says mostly mist-covered mornings when silhouettes can be seen through the fog, mm. which could just be the fog, you know. Yeah, because, I mean, like, your vision's already distorted with the fog. And it's really or- early morning, so you're not having the best light anyway. Yeah. You can kind of trick yourself into seeing things. Not that I'm saying people are, but if that's where when the most of the apparitions are seen, it could have reasonable doubt. Mm-hmm. One thing I saw that was really interesting was this place is like featured and mentioned in the Ghostbusters comic books. Oh, really? Yeah. So there's a an issue. I can't remember the issue. I'll put it in the show notes where the Ghostbusters have an encounter with this ghost and like they have to go to Heart Island because like 
this large entity is like summoning them to like gain strength and they have to go to heart island and defeat this ghost and kind of like get rid of all the ghosts on heart island but the ghosts they said the ghosts turned their attention to the ghostbusters and requested they leave the island they only want to sleep in peace and promise they would cause no more trouble so i just thought it was interesting I just thought it was really kind of cool that, I mean, it makes sense because the Ghostbusters are in New York. Yeah. But I just thought it was interesting that like this had like its whole, its own little like comic book mm-hmm. edition. But that's really just like the overall rundown of Heart Island. Oh. Yeah. Like I said, I'm not going to have like a lot of like personal experiences and photographic evidence because the vibe I got from this place was it's really hard to get onto. That's what I saw. Like, it's not like a place that like people can just freely tour. I don't know if that's changed or not, but I watched a quick video. Like, well, you can get change it. Yeah, it's changed hands a couple of times. I can kind of get into it. You you can request like it's up to Parks and Rec, right? Because that's who manages it. But you can request a visitation. It's mainly to visit the burial sites and then they'll take you. But it's free and you just have to make an appointment based on the website. You just like have to arrange it and they'll take you over there. Okay. But it doesn't seem like a lot of people go there to ghost hunt. No, no, no. I don't. And I don't know necessarily if Parks and Rec, like if you told them, hey, I want to go like. I want to go at night and like use my EVP. Do spooky stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So there's not a lot as far as that, unfortunately. Well, I thought that it was super interesting just to know about um, because a lot, like you said, a lot of stuff did happen on the island. Like, obviously, I don't like they said it was like thousands of unidentified bodies. I don't know if that's true, Um, but it seems like a lot of dead people are on this island. Yeah. So it would make sense to me that there's at least something going on. Like there's, that's a lot of like energy. Like if it's all the stuff that they said that happened on this place is actually true and like historically factual, like that's a lot of fucking energy on this tiny little piece of land. Yeah. Well, originally it belonged to the Native Americans. And then in 1654, an English doctor named Thomas Pell bought the island from the natives. Mm -hmm. As, you know, just a small purchase of 9,166 acres. No big deal. No big deal. Uh, He died in 1669, and his nephew ended up inheriting the entire piece of land. Something I thought was interesting. His nephew was Sir John Pell, and it says the son of British mathematician John Pell. Like, what kind of person do you have to be to be identified as a mathematician? I mean... Not me, but like, (laughs) (laughs) well, if you get a PhD in math, you're a mathematician. I guess so. But for that to be like what you're known for. Yeah. Anyway, I just thought he had to have been. Yes. So this island actually remained in the Pell family until 1774. It was exchanged a couple of times through other families. You can read more about it if you're interested in it on the Wikipedia page. It says bouts of bare knuckle boxing were held on the island and it could draw thousands of spectators so i guess it was like you know friday night fight club yeah um but the first (laughs) the first public use of the island was 
for the United States colored troops beginning in 1864. And that obviously is for the Civil War. They built barracks and they included a library and a concert room and it could house between 2,000 and 3,000 recruits at a time. And ultimately over 50,000 men ended up ended up being trained there. In November of that year, 1864, they constructed a prisoner of war camp with room for 5,000 prisoners. It was used for four months during the Civil War and it housed about 3,400 captives. Of those 3,400, 235 died and they were buried in Cypress Hills Cemetery. Following the Civil War, indignant veterans were buried on the island in soldier po- soldiers' plots, but they were separate from the Potter's Field and at the same location, but they was eventually ended up being moved to West Farm Soldier Cemetery in 1916, and then others were moved to the Cypress Hills Cemetery in 1941. So it sounds like they might have moved the soldiers around, maybe to be a little bit more separate from like the other bodies. Yeah. So the first burials on the island were 20 Union soldiers during the Civil War in 1868. The city of New York purchased the island from Edward Hunter, and then the burials started shortly thereafter. In 1869, a 24-year-old woman named Louisa Van Slyke uh, was the first person buried on the island's 45-acre public cemetery. Mm. It eventually became, or the cemetery was then known as the City Cemetery or Potter's Field. Gotcha. So this is like 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 a free like a poppers type thing. Um, in 1880, it says that the New York Times described the island as the Greenwood of Five Points, which is comparing it to an expansive cemetery in Brooklyn with a historically poor neighborhood in Manhattan. Gotcha. The newspaper also said that this is where the rough pine boxes go that come from Blackwell's Island, which was a reference to the increase of bodies being transported from the hospitals on modern-day Roosevelt Island. Apparently, the Hart Island Cemetery replaced two previous potter's fields where the current Washington Square Park and New York Public Library sit. Wow. Yeah, the number of burials on the island exceeded 500,000 by 1958. God. So that was like maybe 100 years. Yeah. That's crazy. Nine, 90 years, and it was 500,000. Wow. So not only was it a cemetery, it also was a quarantine station. In 1870, there was a really bad yellow fever pandemic. It also contained a women's psychiatric hospital called the Pavilion, which was built in 1885. And it also was a tuberculosis sanitarium. I just don't understand. Like, okay, yeah, let's just build... A quarantine and like mental asylum with all these like dead bodies here. I don't know. To heal. (laughs) Well, I'm sure it wasn't like, you know, outside your window, you can see the graves of Nana and Pop Pop. Like it's like, it's (laughs) not. I feel like like that is. Like there's so many bodies there. It's like, (laughs) let me just go stroll through the endless amount of graves. No, it's a, it's a fairly large island. Um, and you have to think New York was like a huge hub for immigrants coming in. So yeah. like they come in with out of country diseases. They were really worried about 
the spread. So they needed to put them somewhere. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like healing, <laughs> healing wise. You, I'm just going to go to this, this yeah. island just for a little while. And it's like, just, you're just rolling in on a bus or something. And you just see all these graves. It's like, well, just <laughs> one big gonna make it out here. Where are they going to put me on this island exactly? Right. Where's my plot? It says that there was also an industrial school on the island with 300 students. But after an investigation in 1892, apparently the city found the the asylums were overcrowded and they proposed to expand the uh, the asylum from 1,100 beds to 1,500 beds. In the 19th century, like later in the 19th century, it became the location of a boy's workhouse with an extension of the prism um, and the almshouse, which is like a, a poor house essentially on Blackwell Island. By the early 20th century, the island housed about 2,000 delinquent boys as well as elderly male prisoners from Blackwell's penitentiary. So it just Again, was I like... I don't feel like that's like... I just don't feel like... I mean, I guess with delinquent boys, you could be like, you know, behave or you'll end up in one of these. <laughs> yeah. And that 500,000, that was at 1958. So that was later in the 1900s this mm-hmm. is talking about like the boys home and everything this is in the late uh, 19th century so that it isn't quite as much as 500,000 at that point but it did have like the asylum the tuberculosis area and then two potter's fields i think at this point so it seems more like a a spot to put things that they don't really know like the an ADHD drawer kind of like i don't know what to do with this so i'm just going to kind of put you over here yeah, it kind of seems like uh the things that like New York didn't want people to see. Mm-hmm. They don't want to see your delinquent children, boys. They don't want you to see like some prisoners. They also don't want you to see the mentally ill and the sick with TB. Right. So we're just gonna shove them like onto this island and kind of not have them in our big old. And all the crazy women. Yeah, the ones that are on their periods. They're cuckoo. We'll just put them in here. So the New York City of Department of Correction reopened Heart Island as a prison following World War II. Um, But then they decided that the facilities were considered inadequate. So then they decided that the Board of Estimate approved the construction of a homeless shelter instead in 1950. (laughs) Because, you know... (laughs) It's not adequate for soldiers, but or prisoners, the but the homeless, it's fine. It's fine. Everything is fine with for the homeless. It was intended to serve 2,000 people, and it was constructed in 1950. It operated from 1951 to 1954 and was also used to house alcoholics. Residents of nearby City Island opposed the inclusion of the homeless shelter. And the welfare department closed the homeless shelter and then the department of correction regained control of the island. So it's kind of like what we talked about, like it changed hands a couple of times. Wait, so like did the, did they protest because they're like, wow, this is like a shitty place to displace. Oh no, I'm sure that they were just like, we didn't want those people here, put them somewhere else. Right, right, right. Of course. That's just (laughs) conjecture. That's just fair assumptions. (laughs) The Department of Correction opened an alcohol an alcoholic treatment center in 1955. 
They also opened a courthouse on the island, and the island housed between 1,200 and 1,800 prisoners serving just short sentences between 10 days and 10, two years. Mm. The island was retrofitted in 1956 with missile silos. Cool. Um, they were underground. If you want to read about them, go for it. <laughs> Again, just like a weird combination of prisoners and missiles. Yeah, well, that was like... I think that was near the Cuban Missile Crisis era. Yeah. So America was just like, we're just going to kind of drop these everywhere that could be needed. So they were like kind of sprinkled through the United States, but they ended up closing everything down on the island anyway in mm. 1974. Smart, because if a prisoner gets out and tries to escape, goes to, <laughs> goes to a control room, you're... <laughs> All of a sudden, Manhattan's missing. <laughs> right. A couple of other small things happened, like a workhouse was put on there in 1959. A baseball field was added. It continued to be used as a prison until 1966. Then it ended up being a drug rehabilitation center. Like it just kind of switched around, around to different things. Yeah. In 1977, the regular ferry service to the island ended. And then since then, apparently proposals to re-inhabit the island have failed. So originally, City Cemetery occupied 45 acres on the northern and southern tips of the island, mm -hmm. while the center two-thirds were habitable. Or in 1985, 16 bodies of individuals who died from AIDS were buried in deep graves on a remote section of the southern tip of the island, because at the time it was feared that the, that the remains were contagious. Right. The first child to die from AIDS in New York City is also buried in the only single grave on a heart island with a concrete marker that reads SC, which stands for a special child, B1, which is baby one, 1985. Mm. Since sad. then, thousands of people who have died from AIDS have been buried on the island, but the precise number is unknown. Mm. The control of the island, like it kind of goes into the buildings fell into disrepair, obviously, it was really affected by Hurricane Sandy in 2012. Mm. It actually ended up exposing some of the skeletons on the island because the oh, shoreline God. was so eroded. The start of the restora restoration was initially slated for 2020, but in August of 2019, the city announced that the shoreline work would begin uh, the following month. I'm not sure if that actually happened with COVID or not. Mm. Um the control of the island passed to the Department of Parks and Rec, like I mentioned, in 2019. Burials continued even after the transfer. In 2021, they demolished 18 buildings because they were so deteriorated. The cemetery, you know, it said I said it started out like 45 acres. Right. It actually contains, it ended up containing 131 acres of wow. public cemetery it's um, described as the largest tax-funded cemetery in the United States and potentially the largest in the world. Wow. One of the largest mass graves in the United States. And it says that at least 850,000 have been buried on the island as of the 2000s. Though mm -hmm. so the rate has declined to fewer than 1,500 a year. Still, 1,500 bodies average a year. On an Still. island. Like, it's just kind of wild. Yeah. According to a 2006 New York Times article, there had been 1,419 burials 
in the potter's field during the previous year. So in 2005 mm-hmm. of these 826 were adults, 546 were infants and stillborn babies mm-hmm. and 47 were dismembered body parts. Yikes. <laughs> what is going on? I have no idea. Was there a serial killer <laughs> in 2005 that we're just not aware of? It's just, crazy. Just crazy. If you want, I'm not going to really get into it, but if you want to go onto the Wikipedia page, they go into like how some individuals were buried, how they did the grid system, how individuals were buried versus babies, stuff like that. Right. But yeah, that's pretty much it. It looks like if you go onto the New York Parks and Rec website, you can request to go there. And like I said, it was, it's like to visit the graves since it's so many yeah. individuals buried there, it's probably a frequent thing. People are saying that you can like uh, do DNA matches and stuff with individuals. If you're trying to find family members, you can go onto the Parks and Rec site to look at that as well. That's cool. I did see um, from the video that I watched that like they utilize like short-term prisoners even today. For the burials? For the burials. Yeah. Which is like a work program or whatever. And the group that made the video, like a little, it was like a four minute thing. Um, The group that made the video, it kind of seemed like they were trying to get it to be like an easier access of trying to find your loved one before you make the appointment. So it's like easier to just go visit. They kind of made it seem like there's hoops to jump through or something. Do you remember that island that we covered that they ended up turning into like a park that you could go walk around? Or was it a fort? Maybe. The only I feel thing like I can think they... of is Cumberland. I think where we actually no, went. the only thing I'm thinking of is Proveglia, but that wasn't it. No. No, I can't remember which one it was, but there was one where it was like an old fort slash sanitarium and you could actually like take a ferry onto the island it was regular things you only wanted to stay in like a certain area because the rest of the area was like dilapidated but i feel like if they did something like that where it's like make a little park yeah it would be nice type thing it would be nice there's so much history like it's just crazy how much history there is yeah and i, I don't know like let zach begin spend the night there <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I saw, I did see like on uh, the Ghost Adventures fan Facebook page that somebody did mention this. They're like, and they were like, why haven't they ever been? And I think it's because, like, you know, Parks and Rec, I don't think they really are keen for people to do that sort of thing. Um, but people were like, oh, they should. Like, it's really, people are like wanting them to go there. No, it's really interesting. So, but knowing Zach Bagans, he would like summon a demon or. I don't know, do some sort of ritual that I don't approve of and would make me cringe. Ouija boards, whatnot, also as a portal. And also, it's probably like you said, that would promote people potentially trespassing. Yeah, yeah. Getting a boat out there and just Mm -hmm. doing your own thing, which you should never do. Like I said, like people have had, like there have been reported experiences, I guess, by people who have like worked on there or like visited there um, and whatnot. People that it sounds like grounds people who kind of like help maintain through Parks and Rec, but like 
nothing specific like no like oh there's a soldier here or blah 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 so i don't think that necessarily it's a hot spot for people to break out their sls no <laughs> right but now. definitely definitely an interesting i had no idea that it was there yeah me neither i had no idea i had never heard of it before um and i like i said i think that like most, most definitely there must be some sort of energy there that you must feel when you sit you stand yeah on the property because there's there are so many dead bodies and i think a lot of them like i read briefly that like i think a lot of them are like unidentified and like still the stillbirths and you know just it's a lot of you know grief and pain and sense of loss you're gonna have you're gonna have energy for sure yeah well yeah where are we going next that was in the u.s and the next is in vancouver british columbia right yes because okay. there is only one of these this is the okay. only one that came up perfect perfect just want to make sure gotta got you gotta make sure that one day we're gonna do it though <laughs> yes one day we're gonna use two completely places different places this place is interesting once again i don't really have any like pictures or any video to show you because reportedly when i was doing my research all my articles said that this is closed to the public. I don't know if it's still closed to the public, but at the moment in all of these lore articles, it was closed. It is closed to the public. Still some interesting that things that have gone on. I read that Dead Man's Island has ghostly lore that is centuries old from actual apparitions and lights to loud clanging noises that like ring out in the dead of night, hurried footsteps, and the unearthly moan of a young man, a young woman sobbing. And it all starts with apparently the Squamish people mm -hmm. who called the place Island of Dead Men. Reportedly, there was a battle on this island a long time ago. And a Mohawk poet and writer named E. Pauline Johnson captured the tale as a the chief of the Squamish people recounted it. So apparently, like, northern and southern nations of uh, the Squamish people had, like, fought over this island. And the southern nation kidnapped 200 women, children, and held them captive. Wow. And... When the 200, there was 200 Northern warriors who traded themselves for the hostages' freedom. And apparently when they made the trade, the Southern Nation people, like, killed the Northern warriors on the spot. Whoa. That is the story. <laughs> that's the lore. I don't know if that's true. But that's where everything starts. And then it was supposedly supposed to be sold to somebody. I can't remember who, but he didn't want it. Like the guy was like, do you want to buy this island? And the other guy was like, no. And the guy's business, the business partner, who's named John, was like, I'm going to go explore anyway. Oh, John. You don't want it. I'm just going to go up there and see what's going on. He apparently rode to the island, like rode, like rode his boat. Oh, I thought you meant like on a horse. No, like he rode his boat 
to the island, which how far offshore is this island? How big are your guns, John? Where do you work out, John? Because I, you will not catch me rowing to any island. I'll be taking a ferry. You don't want to get a row machine? I've actually mm-hmm. thought about getting one myself. No, no, no. You can do Then you can do it and build up your strength and then we'll row Not right now. No, I cannot. <laughs> um, apparently when he got there, he found hundreds of red cedar boxes scattered amongst the foliage and perched in upper tree branches and well, like christmas decorations right i guess and he discovered that the boxes were fragile because when he reached up to touch one it crumbled above his head and showered him with the bones of a longed deceased inhabitant of the island mm. they were like bone booby traps i guess mm. <laughs> cedar I guess that's that's what it's reporting. Mm. (laughs) Okay. Weird. And then apparently Dead Men's Island became a quarantine, apparently. And this is where like a lot of the deaths started to come in to this island. Like it wasn't the 200 native soldiers that were right. That they don't matter that right now. They just, they're really concentrating uh, in the 1890s. Gotcha. Uh, Never mind the massacre. Right. Smallpox came and they drove everybody to, to this, to Deadman's Island who had smallpox. And like, apparently people knew that once they got onto the boat to Deadman's Island, it was basically, they're not coming back. I hope that they removed the boxes from the trees at that point. I mean, maybe uh, just poof, you know, it's like foreshadowing confetti. <laughs> Don't breathe too hard, Susie. <laughs> Go ahead and do it anyway. You're here on Deadman's Island. You're never coming back. But a lot of people were sent there to, I guess, write out their smallpox illness and die. And how lovely. So the Deadman's Island started to fill up with dead men and it started to get this cursed sort of reputation and known reputation of like like it's only an island for the dead and it's only an island for for people who have passed on and then i saw this like claim that there was some sort of like logging thing in 1909 and like I don't know. People wanted to log there and then like another place didn't want them to log there. And so they would like fight over the island again, very eerily <laughs> reminiscent of the indigenous people who were fighting yes. over the island. Um, but one night uh, the police were there to kind of like watch over the island and keep like people from fighting over logging. And they claimed they heard the rattling of dead men's bones and shrieking skeletons that threatened to haunt anyone who dared cut down trees on the island. Ooh, good job, hippies. <laughs> I know. Um, in a Vancouver Courier article, a writer named Chris Miller described the occurrence perhaps suspecting that human agencies rather than supernatural ones were responsible. The chief of police suggested that maybe 
his men should carry torches so they would be braver and the ghosts a little less active. So that's such a Scooby-Doo story. Right. <laughs> like, apparently they got spooked and they didn't want to secure the island anymore because they I mean, it worked, shrieks. you know, like, good on yeah. them. Right. I mean, whatever. And then I guess after that, like, this is another island, I guess, that changes hands. And you, I think you'll be able to tell me a little bit more. But, like, then suddenly in, like, 1940s, the Navy was there. And there was Navy, naval officers and, res- and like, soldiers or something stationed there. And they started, like, hearing and seeing a lot of things while they stayed there. Several recounted hearing footsteps on the stairs and furniture being moved in the rooms upstairs above them when there was no one on else on the island and actually nobody like on that floor and a few of them witnessed a strange glow emanating through the trees and then they said as that like the glow kind of became closer it kind of sharpened and narrowed into like a human form hmm so i don't know they also heard strange noises coming from the trees and I think these are the people who kind of heard the these the woman sobbing, although they never put a name to the woman. They never say like why there would be a woman on the island sobbing. I'm guessing it would have to do with the Squamish people and like you know maybe a mother or a wife or a partner of one of the warriors killed or a smallpox like victim. Yeah, or a smallpox victim. But I'm not really sure. The witnesses of the strange glow emanating the trees, it just really is like interesting to me that they like say, like if it if they watch it for a long time, it kind of like narrows into like something that looks like a human. Mm-hmm. That kind of freaks me out. Maybe and like it may but it made me think less like paranormal ghost and more like alien. <laughs> <laughs> like, get out of there. They're going to abduct you. <laughs> But yeah, but that's that's all for like the lore of Dead Men's Island. Well, I got to say the lore kind of lines up with the alleged history. So this island is like you said in Vancouver, British mm-hmm. Columbia. The Squamish name is simply island translated to English. I'm not even going to try and <laughs> No. It is officially officially designated Dead Man Island by the Geographical Names Board of Canada in oh. 1937. So it's actually the name of it. Well, I mean, why why change it if it fits? <laughs> Honestly, when I heard about it, I was like, is this thing like in the shape of a coffin or something? No. <laughs> no. According to the wiki page... One of Vancouver's first settlers or white settlers, John Morton, visited the island in 1862. He discovered hundreds of red cedar bodies or bodies, just hundreds of trees, Mm -hmm. hundreds of red cedar boxes uh, that were tied to the upper boughs of trees. And apparently one had evidently fallen and broken and it showed a jumble of bones and some black hair. It was the tree burial grounds of the Squamish people. The reason I was like, oh, was because like cedar is known for its hardiness. What do you mean? It just didn't turn to ash under his fingertips? Like, 
it's not like pine, you know, like a super, <laughs> like it's, it's really durable wood. So I don't imagine that it would just like crumble it falling from the treetops and like breaking makes a little bit more sense to me. It does. But you know, when I pictured it, <laughs> I thought of, um, you know, in Harry Potter, the last movie, when Voldemort is defeated, he kind of just like becomes like disintegrated, like evil confetti. Mm-hmm. That's what I felt like. That's what I pictured when he like touched, like in uh, the story. Beautiful red tinted ash. Yes, exactly. <laughs> And then just Uh, bones. (laughs) Yes. No, I don't think it was quite like that. But even the crumbled casket and bones didn't really turn him off to it. Uh, He thought that the island was really nice and he attempted to get it. However, what changed his mind wasn't the body, but it was the when he spoke to the chief and of the Squamish people. And the chief pointed out that the island was a, quote, dead ground in a scene of a bloody battle between the tribes. So out of respect, he didn't want to inhabit it? Um, well, I'm thinking it's probably more of a, uh, like, a superstition type thing. I like bad luck. Yeah. According to this, it said that, quote, fire flower grew up at once where they fell, frightening the foe into retreat. Hmm. So the settlers didn't, you know inhabit it but they continued to use the island as a cemetery prior to the opening of mountain view cemetery in 1887 then in 1888 to 1880 or 1892 they used the island for a quarantine site for victims of smallpox and also a burial ground for those who didn't survive so i don't think it was necessarily like we're just gonna like put you on a boat and like kind of nudge you out into the water like, I think it was just a gathering place because they were also burying the victims there as well. Yeah. But still, not so like much if- of, a, of a dumping ground. And really, I really do hope that they remove the, the boxes from the trees. Yeah. <laughs> Take a left at the extra red coffin in the tree. Don't touch it. <laughs> it's fragile. <laughs> uh, there was like a logging conflict. Theodore Ludgate leased the island from the federal government in 1899, um, but the mayor, James Garden, tried to prevent him from clearing the land, and apparently there was a showdown between Ludgate's men and the police. He escaped arrest, and the guards were left on the island, but there was like a legal battle. Which I feel Eventually, like the federal government, I mean... I think it was originally meant to be a park and they didn't realize that he was going to like completely clear the land or something like that. So yeah, there but was still, a... like the federal government kind of trumps the mayor, don't, don't they? <laughs> but I don't know. Like the federal government said, yeah, go ahead. Like gave him the permission and gave him the permit and like whatever. But then the mayor was like, no, like I know what you're actually going to do and I don't want you to do it. Like I kind of feel like, well. <laughs> they said I could, so. Well, he ended up, he was unable to meet the terms of the lease, and. Oh. Yeah. Well, then don't be a deadbeat. <laughs> <laughs> In 1930, the island was offered to the city by the federal government to be used as a park, but the park never happened, and eventually it was turned into a naval station in 1944, because we all need more naval stations instead of parks of in this course. world. Mm-hmm. So uh, His Majesty's Canadian ship Discovery 
is Vancouver's Naval Reserve Division, and it's housed in the stone frigate that is strategically located on the island in support of the security of Vancouver Harbor. The facility housed the Joint Maritime Operations Center for the APEC Summit in 1997 and the 2010 Winter Olympics. Oh, okay. Uh, in addition to the Naval Reserve Division, people have their weekly parades at the HMCS Discovery and the facility houses the Naval Museum. The island is connected to the mainland of Stanley Park at low tide, as well as a as well as through a short timber structure bridge. So it looks like you can't get to it. Oh. The city's lease of Deadman Island from the federal government expired in 2007, and it was renewed in 2008. The former mayor of Vancouver, Sam Sullivan, envisioned it as a home for a ferry shuttle from downtown, a maritime museum, and a building to celebrate the island's aboriginal heritage. The Musqueam First Nation, however, claimed the island as part of its land claim in the area. The island's future remains with the Department of Natural Defense, or Department of National Defense, and it seems like it's status is a little unclear yeah controversial so it doesn't really seem like it's going anywhere anytime soon Mm. unlike the bodies who like to travel everywhere i guess right interesting wouldn't it be wild if you like went there though and there was just like one cedar box just hanging from trees the worst kind of christmas decoration honestly (laughs) the best kind of halloween decorations though they also like i also get like the mental picture like i just i know that this like is not the way it is but I also get the mental picture of like a red cedar box, like hanging like um, Donkey Kong when he has to break the boxes to like get yeah. his power ups. <laughs> I I know it's not that, but that's just where my mind is. If we go there, you cannot do that. <laughs> I will not. I don't want to get bone on me. Ew. Or hair. If there's hair in there, I don't want it either. I don't want any part of that. But yeah, another one I didn't even know existed. Me neither. And you know what? It made me realize that we haven't really done anything in Canada. No, you're right. We need to to do more. I bet the ghosts are nice there. Everyone's nice there, honestly. Even that. And maybe that's why we haven't done one because, like, the ghosts don't really bother people. They're just kind of nice and polite. Yeah. We'll find one, though. (laughs) Sorry, Canadians. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, Canada. So the last one is one that everyone has heard about, I'm sure. But it is also the one that I have the least amount on. <laughs> well, that's okay, because I have a whole lore that you can probably debunk. Fantastic. Um, it is the Island of the Dolls in Mexico. Um, I think it's I think it's pronounced Isla de las Munecas. Munecas, I think is what it is. I'm not totally sure do not judge me or grade me on my pronunciation and i cannot say the canals of where this place is located so i'm not even gonna try but apparently the canals are very busy and they're filled with brightly colored boats that have like flower fruit and vegetable merchants so it's a very popular place Mm mm-hmm it's actually called like floating gardens, but apparently the whole thing starts that after dark locals avoid the waters. They say there's an evil and de- demonic creatures lurking under the surface. The most feared are the, again, do not judge my pronunciation people, Nahales. They're dark entities 
who can disguise themselves as animals, such as fish and black leopards. Ooh. They wait they wait beneath the surface to take the lives and souls of unsuspecting travelers. Mm. Creepy. <laughs> there are other dark entities that are said to haunt the waters that can change into black-eyed little girls. Why is it that it's specifically Hispanic and Asian lore are just like the most terrifying ghost stories? I know. Like it's just... <laughs> it's like oh, like y'all really know how to scare the crap out of the kids. Like yes. Um but there's yeah. it's always it's always so good. Like there's such good ghost stories. They are. And I think that so have you ever heard of the um like the legend, the lore behind black eyed children? And that's why we drink M does a really great job of telling the story of black eyed children. But maybe in October we'll see where I'm at. Maybe like has a fun little thing. Maybe I can just do like a little mini episode of the lore behind them because they're freaky. You want to do a black-eyed child episode before you have your child? Or, like, right after. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. But they try to lure their victims. These black-eyed little girls uh, try to (laughs) lure their victims into the water to drown them. Like sirens? I guess. And the victims are never found. Mm. I also, like, just find it strange that like when I was born and my great-grandfather who was still alive called me black-eyed Susan which I feel like flower yeah but he did it because my eyes were so dark I feel like my mother should have been a little bit concerned I turned out (laughs) fine but god like really god help me if my my child comes out with really dark eyes another spirit who supposedly roams the grounds near the canals is uh La Llorona which I feel like a, pe- a lot of people have heard of. She is this woman who is desperate to find her children. Legend says that she killed her own children first, but now weeps and cries for them. So locals fear the canals and don't go there at nighttime. In the middle of these canals is the Island of Dolls. The owner is named Julian Santana Barrera. And the story goes, he was leading a peaceful and isolated life until he found a small girl in the water near his island. He tried to pull the child out of the water. Why? Because we just learned about the little black-eyed girls that are going to pull you in. I don't know why he did that, but out of the goodness of his heart, he pulled her out of the water. But it you was would too do late. the same thing. I would, but that's why I know I would be drowned by a black-eyed little girl. The child had died. And uh, Julian was beside himself and said that he never recovered. A few days after he found the little girl, he thought he saw another little girl drowning in the exact same spot. But when he went to take a closer look, he saw it was just a doll. Because the doll was floating at the same spot, he was convinced that the doll was sent by the little girl. He even believed that the girl's soul was inside of it. Mm. Not good. So to honor the girl, he took the doll out of the water and hung it in a tree. Oh, how considerate. How lovely. You know what I don't want to happen (laughs) to my soul if it's in a doll's body? 
being I don't want it to be hung on a tree. What if we put it in a box first? That would be a little <laughs> bit more considerate, and I would appreciate that a little bit more. Okay. Noted. Julian just couldn't handle the fact he wasn't able to save this little girl's life. And one single doll wasn't enough to keep her happy, according to him. So he started collecting old, broken dolls and gave them a place in that tree as well. He had collected so many dolls that they didn't fit in the tree anymore. So he had started decorating his entire island with them. Many believe that the dolls are inhabited by ghosts and not just from one little girl. They believe that Julian is trapping spirits in these dolls. And I will say, like, the dolls are not well kept. They are being taken care take taken over by like the nature and like the island mm-hmm. and they're very busted looking and they some of them don't have eyes and it's just very creepy people have reported seeing the dolls heads move on their own wink and some of them even talk zach Bagans and ghost adventures did go to this island this is the episode i was talking about however i don't have access to that episode and the only thing i could find on youtube was a clip of them taking a doll um, and taking it to a medium where she said that there was at least five spirits inhabiting it and not all good spirits and to be very careful with the doll and that the doll was had some evil in it. During that clip, I also saw that the medium Oracle had spoken with Julian because at this point he had passed away, I think. And that he had told her that he was aware that Zach Biggins was going to the island and asked him to specifically take care of his favorite doll. I can't remember the doll's name, but apparently it's the doll that has the little girl spirit in it. Mm -hmm. And he has set up her, she's no longer in a tree as from where I saw in the clip. She's like in her own little shrine, but that's the only clip I got. I thought for my whole life. which is not really my whole life ever since I started watching ghost adventures. So since I was like 12, I thought that uh, Zach Bagans getting this, the shit scared out of him by that clown hand moving the <laughs> clown doll that scared the shit out of all of us. All right. It did. I thought that was this Island. It's a different location and we yeah. will cover that one day because I just want to re I just want a lifetime react to that to you for you all one day, but it wasn't this Island. Um, the most I think that happened in the Island of Dolls episode is one of the dolls started talking with its mechanical voice unprompted and like not like most censored while they were there. Mm-hmm. Which again, just no, get off the island right now. I mean, um, let's be, let's just go ahead and get it out of the open. We're never going to go on this island. Right. No, we no, don't no. do dolls. Mm, no, I don't do dolls, especially the ones that don't have batteries in them and then they talk. Mm-hmm. Don't like that. Don't want to mm-hmm. do that mm-hmm. ever at all. And then I saw just the icing on the creepy cake <laughs> uh, that apparently Julian died from drowning at the exact same spot in the canal as the girl supposedly did in 2001. Mm. So I don't know if that's true, but that is just like a creepy kind of full circle moment of the whole thing and that is the legend of the island of the dolls Ooh. i mean it's like it's a like i said it's a good 
scary ghost story. It is a very, very compelling, creepy fucking story about a place that you can actually go to. So the only, I mean, the only, one of the big differences that I have in mind is that he, uh, Julian died from a heart attack in 2001. Okay. But that's really like the only big difference. I was just going to say, which is bad enough. Don't make up that he drowned in the exact same spot as this little girl. (laughs) If he just had a heart attack. That's so sad. I mean, it does say that like he later, he died in the same spot the girl drowned. And that like the local legend is that it was caused by the girl's spirit. Right. Which doesn't make sense because he was taking such good care of her spirit. Yeah, but other people say that she was like an evil spirit all along. Oh, that's sad. I couldn't find anything other than the Wikipedia article on this and like, ooh, scary articles. And I was like looking it up on newspapers. I was looking up like the guy's name and stuff. And I'm like, if I find anything, I'm not going to be able to read it anyway because I can't read Spanish. (laughs) (laughs) So Google Translate. (laughs) I couldn't find any newspaper articles. Um, So this is all off of Wikipedia. But it says that um, the island was originally owned by Julian Santana Barrera. It was named in the 1950s when the dolls started randomly appearing on the island. Uh, The locals say that he um, used to go to a local area to drink polke, which is um, like thick tequila. Gross. (laughs) Like a mix of tequila and beer, apparently most disgusting well no no i don't oh. think you would want to drink it no no no. i don't think you would want i was to gonna drink say it. like tequila and corona is good you don't want no this okay. is it says it has like a sour yeasty taste mm, no yeah people stopped drinking it after beer became popular because they were like oh, oh okay. beer tastes better than this which <laughs> is tells you how bad this tastes <laughs> but apparently he was known to go drink after selling his vegetables until he began preaching the Bible due to superstitions, which led him to be excommunicated from the community. So gotcha. I just want to preface like uh, what the individual that we are dealing with. Okay. His personal habits. Okay. His mental status. So according to the legend, like you said, he found a young girl who had drowned in the lilies of the canal and... He claimed to have heard her crying out, I want my doll. And so he hung up the doll that he found near the girl's body. He claims that after he went outside, or every time he went outside, there was a new doll hanging from the trees. I'm a little, like, hesitant to believe that, considering he was known to go out drinking, and then he started Bible preaching about superstitions. Like, it doesn't sound like cognitively he was all there. Yeah. Yeah. So in 1987, an ecotourist rescue was made and the island was found covered in water lilies. And then after the death of Julian, it was turned into a tourist attraction. It really took off in 1943 when the Mexican filmmaker Emilio Fernandez um, filmed Maria Candelaria. I'm not familiar with it, but it kind of took off after that. Mm-hmm. It says that the dogs are still, the dolls are still on the island, and the island is still accessible by boat, and you can go take a tour. And there's a small museum 
And then um, in the room in the museum, you can see the first doll that he had collected, as well as uh, Augustina, which was his favorite doll. I think that was the doll that supposedly had her spirit. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Like I said, I couldn't really find much about it. I couldn't, you know, find a newspaper article about the girl drowning. While I was, like, researching the scary articles, (laughs) um, I did see one that had mentioned that, like, mm, most people believe that there is, like, most of, like, the locals that kind of knew him don't actually believe that there was a girl. Mm -hmm. Whether they believe that, like, it was black-eyed girl or a Nahales instead, like, something trying to trick him, or they just think that he kind of lost it. Yeah. Um, but some like most locals don't believe that he actually but I feel like regardless, you put dolls and trees all over this island, I feel like you're just trying to draw something not good <laughs> to your space. I feel like I that's agree just like that. it's kinda not... like hanging up Ouija boards and trees. Like right. Let's here not make these... this a bird sanctuary for evil spirits. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's like, here are these like new little homes for you to come and torture me until my dying days. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like, one, I'll probably never go there because um, you have to get there by boat. And regardless of whether there are Nahales, uh, dark entities <laughs> disguising themselves as anything, I don't want to be near water that probably has a lot of snakes in it and that's why I don't go into a lot of bodies of waters here in Florida and then I don't want to step foot on that island with a whole bunch of dolls with no eyes honestly you know what bothers me the most about those dolls they don't have clothes on yeah that's what bothers me the most I mean would I you think know that if she just... even had dresses on no I wouldn't so it probably would make me feel less uncomfortable this is true but it's the fact that there's a bunch of naked dolls just hanging around. I don't like it. Mm-mm. I don't like the vibe that it gives. No, no. <laughs> no, I mean, I just like, I agree. It's like, you don't, like, I don't understand. I don't understand. Mm-mm. But we won't because we don't go drinking yeasty tequila and we'll never get into ever the mind be in that mindset. Man. We won't ever hang up dolls in our yard. And, you know, it, it could be that he is actually haunted. I mean, it could be that she didn't have it. The spirit, the soul of this little girl and that, and he just was doing it for her. I am wildly surprised that there is not a movie about this, though. I know. There should be. Blumhouse, go ahead and make a movie about this. we give you permission. I'm surprised Ed and Lorraine weren't all over this island. Yeah. They did mostly, like, New England. Stateside. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't coming or to England. Mexico, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I still think it's like a fun story to tell mm-hmm. no I love I love lore like that like I love old ghost stories I think it's just it's so fun to hear like other cultural stories it's always super interesting yeah and also they're usually so scary so so scary America is like watch out for the woods you'll get attacked by a mothman or a whatever what was that the the kangaroo the jersey devil 
the Jersey Devil. <laughs> the kangaroo. Thank you. I like how you say kangaroo. I immediately know who you're talking about. And watch and out for like- that kangaroo bat over there. Like it's just like right. And we're not even. We're not even afraid of them. Like people would like straight up adore the Mothman. Yeah, let's go. Let's go find him in the, the woods. <laughs> but like Mexico, they're like, watch out for that. You know, bog over there. There's black-eyed children that will draw you in and drown you, and you'll never be seen again. And you're like, oh, absolutely, yeah. I won't go over there. Yeah, and like I'm telling you, M, they did such a good. I I cannot stress enough. I'll find the episode of that's why, and that's why we drink. Um, and put it in the show notes if you guys haven't heard it. They did such a good job with the black-eyed children, and they scare the shit out of me. It is something that is makes me truly unnerved. So I will not be listening to that <laughs> anytime soon. But yeah, so those are the creepy islands that we want to share with you. Yeah, we hope you liked it. Yeah, I, I enjoyed think learning one. all about it. Yeah, yeah. They all have really interesting hi- history. They have good lore. Nothing like in the way of like usual like timestamps and evidence, but you know they still have good stories. Mm-hmm. Like an overall arc of why they are probably haunted. So yeah, good job, good job, good, good episode to kick back. That we're back, kick off. That yes, we're back. and next week, next time we're going to be in Oklahoma. Back again. Back again. Over and over and over again. You know, honestly, driving through Oklahoma was surprisingly beautiful. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. I feel like Oklahoma is probably really pretty. Very farmlandish, but it, it felt like I was in a window screen the entire time. Like it was yeah. just like open and green and bright blue skies until the storms came through and just very pretty. Nice. I had the Dixie Chicks playing in my head the whole time appropriate i feel like yeah i feel like a lot of the midwest is really pretty you just you know don't really drive through it except for if you're doing a road trip like you did yeah no we ended up skipping kansas on purpose and we went through like oklahoma arkansas that way texas instead and no regrets it was absolutely beautiful nice so you skip kansas to go through our kansas yes well, you still went through a Kansas. Arkansas. Wrong letter. Arkansas. Well, good. <laughs> what is your sage moment? My sage moment is that I am officially 20 weeks pregnant. I am halfway through my pregnancy. Wee! I felt movement. That can confirm his movement, not just me being like, oh, I wonder if, if this is it. I am bumping a little bit, and my baby is the size of a beanie baby this week. Which beanie baby? They have the red one, the red, um, like, love bear one mm. on the app. So it's this ah little heart. We'll pretend it's the Princess Diana bear. Yes. I feel like that's that's fitting. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, everything's going great halfway through. And I get to know the anatomy soon. Not this week, next week. Are you putting your money on anything? 
No. Or you really don't know? I really am just on the fence. Same girl, same. Maybe if I remember, we'll put a poll (laughs) on the Instagram because I am getting the anatomy scan on a Tuesday. So we'll see. (laughs) Um, We'll give you, we'll give you the stats on lore as far as boy versus girl. It'll be a boy, like a boy, like a boo, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Or a ghoul, like a girl. You're so clever. I'm so just comes right out of me so <laughs> so clever what is your stage moment um the semi-obvious thing i'm in oregon Which we made it across the country unscathed good honestly the worst part was denver because or really colorado springs and like pueblo because it was really really bad weather mm-hmm. um i don't know if y'all saw like the little circling blizzard thing that was happening over Colorado this past week but I was in it Ugh. it was not fun but we skirted by Oklahoma the day before those tornadoes came through so that was good and yeah it was a lot of fun I think Joe said 11 or 12 states in a week wow that's crazy six days and then the day or the week before we had gone down the east coast and that was I think that might have been 10 states as well so 21 states in about two weeks wow it it's crazy it's crazy yeah Oregon's pretty people are nice we have trips planned so I can't wait to hear about them we're excited you should get one of those like maps of the U.S. that you can scratch off because now you can we have one so many oh yeah so many I'm so excited about it it's at home and I'm just I'm waiting for Mm -hmm. when I can pull out my penny and just go to town on that thing it'll be so satisfying absolutely well, good. I'm glad that you're there. I'm glad that you got there safely. Thank you. I'm, and it'll be interesting with the time zones. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're struggling, guys. Yes. When I when I text you this week, I was like, sometimes I was like, I don't know if she's awake yet. <laughs> what time is it there? <laughs> Am I interrupting something? But probably not. I'm waking up unreasonably early for somebody who is unemployed. <laughs> well, you know, gotta keep the habit. Gotta keep. Your daily routine. I'm enjoying it. There's so many hours in my day now. You can do all the activities, all the things. <laughs> Except there's nothing to do. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Um, but yeah, so then I think that's it. I think that is it. We will talk to y'all next week. Yes, we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. As always, we love getting suggestions from you guys. Be sure to send us your recommendations of stories to cover, locations to visit, ghost tours to go on, and all that good stuff. You can send it to hauntedorhoaxpod at gmail.com or DM us on social. Yeah, you can find all of our links to social as well as episodes and blogs on our website, hauntedorhoax.com. And if you feel like helping us out, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or just drop us a few stars on Spotify. Bye. Bye.